0: You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. He has an enthusiasm uh,
1: in his teaching that is contagious. I'll just go back to it. I knew his resume. I knew what he'd accomplished. But the thing that was really exciting to me was the interview and how he you know, basically taught football. What you saw today was not a, not a surprise to me. And, and I believe that's who he is. I'll tell you this. Everybody's going to get better every day. So wherever they're at, wherever the coaches are at, wherever I'm at, uh, wherever the players are at, Coach Riley's uh, charge is that everybody improves, and everybody's going to improve.
2: Yeah, he's he's animated. He's he's hands-on, and and he's going to let you know when you did a wrong play. He's going to let you know just as hard when you did a, you made a good play, and you know I, I really like that.
1: I was really excited to get back with Bob. I have I have ultra confidence in Bob Diaco, and I can't I can't tell you how much confidence I have in him. Uh, as a defensive coordinator, as a football coach, as a person, and so that made me feel really good to get a chance to be, you know, back with him. And that's to the stage here for another edition of the Husker Our Show as the Bob Diaco era is out in full force here um, as Nebraska got going to spring practice. Uh, Robin Washington day class, there's a little Bob Diaco, um, some Nat sounds from our video with Greg Peterson. Oh, no, no. It's a hit Run off the
3: ground and hit
2: your chest. A little Diaco Go. for you.
1: And that's just a little taste of Coach Diaco just day one alone. And, and And that was the story, I think, was the passion. I mean, it's kind of. I wrote this week uh, almost a version of a Peter brother. You know, he's got that New Jersey, East Coast, in-your-face, maximum effort mentality, and literally right from the get-go, they're doing up-downs. This guy's running and screaming. You hear him say, run like you want to be here, Robin. It was fun to watch.
3: It was day one of practice, and I don't know what Muhammad Barry did. Uh, He wasn't doing something the way Bob Diaco wanted to be done, and so Diaco screams at him get off the field. He tackled the running back. Oh, there you go. He tackled the running back to the ground, screamed at him to get off the field, and Muhammad Berry did not practice the rest of the day. I mean, that's the kind of the guy that you're working with here. If you don't do things the way you are expected to do, Bob Diaco will let you know, and you will pay the consequences, and that's the kind of uh, intensity that, you know, we had been sold uh, from the day that his name even first popped into the conversation, and it lived up to the hype uh, on day one, and uh, I personally am, you know, especially looking forward to seeing, you know, what happens when they actually put pads on. Because if he's at that level when they're just in helmets and jerseys, then I can only imagine when it's actually real football getting played. Is
1: he a Giants fan, Robin? Have you found that out? That's yet?
3: That's another thing. I need. If, if, if both Danny Langsdorf and Bob Diaco are Giants fans, man, this is probably the best Jersey, staff ever <laughs> assembled
1: Jersey people. They're back and forth between Jets and Giants. Uh, right? I think
3: I think Jets are actually more of a New a City, New York City, you know, all the all the hipsters and. Coffee shop guys like the Jets.
1: <laughs> um, what's his name from Mike Greenberg?
3: Yeah, except those guys, we're like the the hard like Jersey dudes that work at the toxic waste plant. They like the Jets. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: Nate, your thoughts on Bob Diaco day one?
2: Well, he, he definitely set the tone heading into
3: spring ball. I mean, right
2: out of the gate, that it was it was just what we heard in your face. You know, run like you want to be here. Maximum effort. Um, you know, and, and I think that was probably by design to not only set the tone for that practice for, but for all of spring football and, and I liked it and it, there were a lot of components of that practice that actually somewhat reminded me of 2003 when Bo Pelini came in as, uh, Frank Solich's defensive coordinator, there were similar, um, you know, it was a, it was a high intensity deal, and and Bo was in a lot of guys' faces, and um, you know that it, that's honestly kind of what it reminded me of. So um, you know, and, and I don't think that was a gimmick. I think that was that was Bob Diaco all the way, and and I think that's what we're going to continue to see, and and I think other players are going to feed off that, not just the defensive players, but I think the offensive players are, are definitely going to feed off that energy as well.
1: You're listening here to the Huskar Light Show, Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, and. Uh, Nate Klaus, we got a chance to interview Bob Diaco uh, and also Bob Elliott this week for the first time. And let me tell you, I think Bob Elliott gets overlooked, uh, but it's almost like having a a second defensive coordinator on this staff. Um, You know, his age, I think, was overplayed a lot. When you hear him talk, he's got a lot of energy, a lot of wisdom, a lot of knowledge And I was impressed uh, just with his opening uh, comments out of the spring and what he's going to bring to the staff as well, Robin.
3: Yeah, a very business-oriented type guy, Um, you know, no nonsense and has a very clear uh, vision of what kind of his role in this staff is going to be. I mean, I think he knows that he kind of has to help um, you know, Bob Diaco uh, kind of transition this defense and, and help some of the other staff members and the players alike. Uh, you know, kind of catch up. So just having another voice with that type of experience is going to be invaluable for everyone associated with that defense. And, um, you know, Mike Riley just praised uh, Bob Elliott's resume, said if you, if you were just to check all the boxes of what we were looking for uh, in a candidate to, to, to fill this spot, uh, Bob Elliott fits everything we we wanted. And, and so uh, that 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 is clearly, uh, you know, something that is going to be uh, a huge resource for Diaco, for Mike Riley, and for this entire staff, uh, just because he, there's not very many people that are the types of teachers that Bob Elliott is with his experience.
2: Yeah, I, I was able to catch up with someone who actually is at Notre Dame and had been around Bob Elliott for quite some time now. And and he told me that Nebraska fans are going to love Bob Elliott and that he's regarded as a football mind first and foremost. So this is a guy who is obviously an expert in Bob Diaco's defense, is going to be a guy that can that can coach and teach um, you know, as they transition through this. But also he said he's a very, very energetic guy. Don't don't be fooled by his age. This, this is a guy who may be in his early 60s but acts like he's in his early 40s and brings a ton of energy to the table. So I think, uh, just like Robin was saying, as far as being the total package for, as far as what everything Mike Riley was looking for and to help to, through this transition, I think Bob Elliott brings all those things to the table.
1: Yeah, I thought it was interesting. Uh, Dante Williams actually uh, joked about that. He said that I'm kind of like the old guy, and uh, Diaco is the young, or Elliott's the young guy. I mean, just just his approach, and he actually has to, uh, uh, you know quiet him down he, he compared uh, the Williams also compared Diaco and Elliot kind of to a father and son here's more of that
2: those two guys I mean they ain't no problem gelling they like father and son so they, they adopted me so let's just say it like that so it's no problem as far as gelling with those two like I said before coach Elliott is the young guy I'm the old grumpy one he keeps me calm and then with coach Diaco I mean like I say how, how can you not like somebody who loves their job who knows everything about their job and their personality is bigger than
1: life and that was uh, defensive backs coach Dante Williams, who really you know, has fit in nicely to this group. And you never know how that's going to go. A bunch of new guys getting together. But I think having two of your guys having worked together, John Perella being kind of a professional uh, that's played in the NFL for a lot of D coordinators, um, he's blended in well. And you know, I think Trent Bray deserves some credit too um, because this was a tough deal for him to lose his kind of mentor and colleague Mark Banker, and and he's uh, seemed to have blended in nicely uh, with this mix. Before we wrap this segment up, Robin, I did want to get your thoughts on this as well. Um, on Wednesday night after Nebraska lost to Penn State in the Big Ten tournament, Nebraska Athletic Director Sean Icors announced in a tweet uh, that basketball coach Tim Miles would be back for another season. Um, we've talked off-air, not really a surprise to us, a surprise to some, Uh, But now they have to move forward, and and Tim Miles is the guy for one more season.
3: Yeah, I think for the here and now it's the right move. Uh, But obviously next season becomes uh, about as close to a do-or-die situation as you're going to get. With the the roster they have coming back, that was kind of the main selling point uh, for why you bring Tim Miles back for a sixth season. And if he doesn't win with that – uh, it's an easy decision of what to do next. But, um, you know, I think the best way to describe it, um, you know, of how mixed the reactions were was um, our friend Kevin Suits at 1011 um, tweeted at me. He says, uh, when I was listing all the, the star power they have coming back next year um, in terms of ranking uh, recruiting rankings, he says, you can give me a Mercedes, doesn't make me a good driver. And my response was, but if you spent five years acquiring the parts to fix up that Mercedes, shouldn't you get the chance to drive it? So that's kind of basically a, a summation of kind of Nebraska fans and their reaction to this news. But um, like I said, in my opinion, I think Sean Heikorst and Nebraska made the right decision to see uh, what Tim Miles is all about and really kind of put his his coaching abilities, um, you know, t- to the test. Because like I said, if you can't win with that group, um, you know, you don't really don't have a future here.
1: And we're going to talk more basketball here later in the show. But when we come back, we're going to shift over to the quarterback discussion. This battle of Patrick Lee and Tan- Tanner or. Pa- pa- Uh, Tanner Lee and Patrick O'Brien is going to be, I think, closer um, than people realize. We're going to discuss that next. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I think that, uh, frankly, the quarterbacks operated pretty confidently uh, with what we were doing. Sometimes it can be a lot sloppier than that on the first day, and I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was pretty clean, and and uh, the operation of everything was pretty good. It was a good start. And welcome back here to the Husker, our line show. That was head coach Mike Riley following Nebraska's opening spring practice on Saturday, and that was really one of um, the bigger storylines, I thought, uh, besides Bob Diaco, was just how well the quarterback play was. Sean Callahan here with Robin Washett and Nate Klaus, and, um, you just never know that first day out, how it's going to look. Um, but, it, you know, even all the way down to Tristan Jebby, but first with Patrick O'Brien and Tanner Lee. I mean, those two guys operated this offense at a very high efficiency rate for the first day out, Robin.
3: Yeah, I mean, you can only put so much stock into it. Uh, the fact that they were not even in pads and weren't even facing a defense, I mean, kind of limits how much you can take away from it. But I think just from an overall comfort level um, within what they were doing uh, from just a pure accuracy standpoint. I mean, there were times in previous years where throwing against air was more difficult than you would have thought, uh, and that was not the case uh, earlier this week. So um, it was encouraging in that regard. Um, and then just the rave reviews from the coaching staff, who obviously uh, saw a lot more things than you know us as just media bystanders saw. Um, it was unanimous. Um, basically, players and coaches alike raved about um, the, the early on performances of, of both those quarterbacks. And, um, you know, regardless of who ends up winning that job, that's going to make whoever uh, is the starter significantly better. Because uh, competition breeds success. And just to have two guys kind of going back and forth where it was essentially a coin flip of who was going to be the number one, um, I mean, that, that, that's that's going to be a big deal and in, in just kind of ramping things up day in, day out. Yeah, it's always hard for us
2: as the media watching practice to know exactly what the the specific drill is, or you know what the the point of that specific period is, but you know, a couple of things that we, that aren't hard to kind of decipher are our guys catching the football, uh, you know, body language, um, overall command of what, whatever it is that they're being asked to do. And I felt like all those things were pretty impressive for day one as a group, not just Patrick O'Brien and Tanner Lee, but I felt like Tristan Jebia and Andrew Bunch. Um, they all seemed to have a pretty good command and handle on what it was they were being asked to do. And, and all those guys flashed, uh, way more than, than, uh, uh, then, you know, then they kind of had cringeworthy moments where you're just like, ooh, you know, what was what was that? Uh, and that's kind of used to – or it used to be – kind of what uh, we'd see quite a bit of, you know, you'd ask yourself, boy, what what the heck was that supposed to be? But I uh, uh, didn't really get too many of those moments. And uh, as far as, you know, mechanics and, and um, you know, releases and all the technical stuff, I was really impressed with Patrick O'Brien and Tanner Lee. I mean, those two guys are are definitely the type of quarterback that uh, Mike Riley and Danny Langsdorf want, have wanted in their program now.
1: You're listening to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Robert Washington, Nate Klaus, as we discuss offensive and defensive storylines here just over this opening week. And, um, yeah, we all agree. I think this is going to be maybe a more interesting race. A lot of us um, just assume Tanner Lee would kind of just roll right into it. But I think O'Brien's going to uh, no doubt put up some fight. And I I think, guys, another big thing to watch here now as we move through this last week before spring break is the offensive line. Um, It looks like early right now David Neville would be the right tackle Michael Decker, the center. Um, They're not going right to John Raritan. Uh, Cole Conrad's not there yet. Matt Farniak's playing right tackle as well. But um, the big thing is, can this line protect? And I think that right tackle and that center job, um, when the pads come on, will be interesting to watch.
3: Yeah, it kind of goes back to what they're doing at quarterback. They're going to make whoever ends up being the day one starter earn it uh, with a competition that's probably going to go through on the the entire offseason. and. Uh, You know, I think that that'll be a good thing. But yeah, like you said, Sean, that's going to be a key issue for how well this offense is able to uh, perform is can they protect the quarterback? And Mike Riley even mentioned that just uh, as recently as earlier this week that, uh, you know, with the fact that they don't have a guy like Tommy Armstrong who can avoid pressure and kind of, you know, buy his own time by making miraculous spin moves 10 yards behind the line of scrimmage, uh, they have to protect. And I think they got to do different things with their play calling, have more like quick passing timing routes screen passes draws um and maybe most importantly completion percentage becomes as important as it's ever been uh, because that's kind of an extension of what they are trying to do in their running game Uh, and so i mean that, that that kind of takes on a new level of importance, and um, the good news is from the, the early results we've seen so far, that that should improve uh, just with the nature of the quarterbacks they have now.
2: I like the way they're handling it, uh, and I've liked the way that they've handled a lot of these races ever since Mike Riley's come aboard. Instead of just... Going ahead and crowning some guy the starter, they've they've kind of given the incumbent you know the chance to to earn it, keep it, or or lose it. And I think these first couple of weeks are are you know proving. I was weeks. a little
1: surprised, Neville, just because I, I thought Conrad kind of earned it a little bit at the end of the year. But yeah, I, I, that goes back to your point, Nate.
2: Yeah, so these first couple of weeks to me are, are prove it weeks, and Neville and Decker um, are are on the on the clock, waiting and, and doing. You know, every every rep is is a prove it rep, and they're putting it all on film. and And I like I like the staff and, and how they've operated in that manner. They've they've let these guys put it on film before they make a move, and that way, when they do make a move, they can say, Hey, look. The proof is right here. The the film does not lie. Um, you you have, you know, succeeded or failed in in, in these situations and it's all right here. So uh, I like what, what we've seen so far and I'm excited to be able to see more going forward.
1: You're listening to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan and Robin Washington A class as we're going through the storylines here and Couple news and note nuggets to, to move through here. Uh, Carlos and Khalil Davis confirmed to me that they will throw the discus starting at spring break at Arizona State in the Pac 12 Big Ten Challenge. Um, and, and their goal is to uh, score points again at the Big Ten Outdoor Track Meet. Um, Asked Dante Williams this about Avery Anderson and Eric Lee. A lot of people freaked out when Mike Riley didn't mention their names. Uh, he said Eric Lee's one injury away from basically being a starter. He's no doubt in the mix right now for playing time. Same goes for Avery Anderson. I think it was a simply an oversight uh, by Mike Riley uh, on that depth chart thing. And uh, another interesting thing Rob and Dante Williams talked about was Chris Jones and Joshua Kalou. Uh, I think there's a notion of some people that want Lamar Jackson to take one of those jobs from those guys. Uh, but Williams said that these two guys, Jones and Kalu, are the leaders of this defense and really this football team right now.
3: Yeah, I mean, they're the veteran voices in that room, and – uh, kind of going back to you know, what he was talking about with Lamar, uh, it's still a process with him. Uh, I mean, people kind of often forget that he was playing quarterback in safety just two years ago in high school, and to think that he's going to come in and be an All-Big all Ten cornerback, all you know, day one as a true freshman, um, I think was pretty lofty uh, expectations. So um, he's he's obviously going to be a very, very, very good player. Uh, you don't have this type of role this early in your career without doing that, but with the veteran guys he has in front of him uh there's there are no rush to kind of force him into that spot and they're going to let him kind of uh you know grow at, at his own pace which I think will be to the benefit of Lamar going forward
2: yeah and, and I think uh there's no question Lamar is going to be just fine and I think a guy like Avery Anderson and, and Eric Lee I mean I think those guys are going to end up being fine too and and that's A lot of people have, have kind of been wringing their hands about, well,
1: how can we – It's, a, it's the whole four-star yeah, thing, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely it is. And, and you know, just because you're a four-star doesn't mean you're going to come in and, and be a starter from day one. you you got to come in and you got to earn it. And uh, and the, the good thing for Nebraska, and especially the secondary coaches, is that entire back end of the defense has a lot of talent. You've got a lot of options back there. And so there's – I mean, there's a lot of competition going on back there, and we're going to see some movement, uh, no question question about it we're going to see some movement back there uh, going through spring ball and, and probably even into fall camp
1: well and at minimum I, I believe that Kalu when they go nickel and we will be the nickel and then Lamar Jackson will play the other corner kind of like how it was this year at mm-hmm. the end so Lamar Jackson's gonna play I mean I think people freak out about that too they they want him on the field because of what his recruiting ranking was but he's never played corner until this last year he's always been a quarterback and a safety So naturally, that's going to take some adjustment. Well, when we come back, uh, we're going to shift back over to basketball as Tim Miles will be coming back for his sixth season. We'll get Robin Washett's thoughts on that next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show.
0: This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Coach, uh, like right after the game, your athletic director tweeted out, looking forward to next year with with coach miles and in charge i'm back uh, what uh just what kind of what were your thoughts then? well you know
2: he and i had talked over the last few weeks and I, there was no doubt that he was with me and supporting me and I, I knew he'd probably do something after the season which uh in his own way sean is a man that yeah, believes in us supports us even when we were struggling he he wouldn't waver um, although the media kind of had a, has a field day with it I guess they're just bored, right? And so, you know, Sean's been there and, and we're gonna I'm gonna come through for him. I'm gonna I'm gonna we're gonna show him that that his faith in us is is justified.
1: And welcome back here to the Husker Online show that was head Nebraska basketball coach Tim Miles just moments after the Sean Icor's tweet that Tim Miles will be back for his sixth season at Nebraska and we bring in Robin Wash now as um, you weren't in Washington D.C., but obviously you you follow the scene, Robin, as close as anybody. You wrote a heck of a piece following the game on why this makes sense. Tell us why does it make sense for Nebraska to bring back Tim Miles for another season?
3: Well, it was a move entirely built on potential and what next season could be. Because if you look at the numbers over the first five seasons, um, <laughs> I under it makes full sense why. People were shocked and somewhat upset uh, by the news that Sean Icores broke uh, about five minutes after you know the the season came to an end in the Big Ten tournament. Um, you know, I mean, Tim Miles is seventy five and eighty six. He's finished in the top ten of the conference standings once this season. was his lowest win total and his highest loss total, um, the lowest total of his career at Nebraska, and the nineteen losses were the most uh, in a season in Nebraska school history. Um, they just suffered their worst home loss in school history. So. There's not a lot of reason to feel that great about what's going on. But you look ahead to what is going to be in place next season. I think that's kind of the defining issue. Um, there's uh, so much um, being made about the potential of the 2017-18 roster, Um, not only with the core that, you know, has kind of grown up the hard way the past two years um, coming back um, outside of Ty Webster. I think nine of their top 10 players from this year are back next year. Um, You also add in three key pieces. Uh, First and foremost is Isaac Copeland, the transfer from Georgetown, former five-star top 30 ranked player coming out of high school. And, When it comes to making a turnaround in college basketball, one of the biggest things you need is a star. And assuming Isaac can, you know, rebound off that back surgery on a herniated disc he's had, um, you know, maybe just a few weeks ago, uh, he has that potential to be that type of player. You also add in James Palmer, uh, another four-star former top fifty player coming out of high school transfer from Miami, and then you add in Nana Kenton, uh, Nebraska's lone 2017 uh, high school signee, uh, who is emerging as one of the best players in the state of Illinois and probably will be, um, will will for sure be in the final you know rivals one fifty for 2017 class, um, and so that in itself will give Nebraska nine players who at one point were ranked in the Rivals 150 coming out of their respective high school classes. And so uh, the, the table is set for Nebraska t- to have a huge jump from what we saw you know, this season, especially in, in previous years. Um, the schedule will be tough, but it won't be nearly as tough as the number one strength of schedule in all of college basketball that they well, yeah, this Well, Cre- yeah, because
1: Creighton's going to probably take a small step back. That game is
3: in Omaha, Kansas. Yeah, they still have Kansas. And then, you know, they, they got, uh, let's see, they got the ACC Big Ten. And Challenge. usually they
1: get a lower tier yeah. ACC team. They and basically match up an old Orange Bowl game.
3: <laughs> and here's a note for that there's there's no guarantee that that's going to be a home game. I mean, oh, it, really? it, it, because they're renewing the contract. And so basically everything's reset. Had it been like a normal year, it would for sure be a home game. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, they also have the Gavitt Games uh, turnover, or uh, sorry, tournament, um, which features, you know, Big, Big East Big Ten games. Um, you know, and then they, they have some other. Uh, I think there's one they out, tournament. Yeah, went right? out in Anaheim. Um, I don't know exactly who. It won't in the field be as
1: tough as the field that they were in. Regardless, last
3: year. yeah, yeah. So, what, back to my point is the, the schedule won't be nearly as daunting. You have a much deeper, much more talented, at least on paper, roster. Uh, so the time is now, um, and all excuses are off the table next year. Um, if Tim Miles does not win, with all these things finally set in place in his favor. Then it's an easy decision. It's a no brainer. You make a change. Um, But I think for the here and now, um, like I wrote last night, or I guess Wednesday night, uh, this was the right move for Nebraska.
1: Yeah, I think, Robin, the non conference is where it has to start. You know, Nebraska going six and six this year, and it's like they're behind the eight ball, uh, behind on their bills all year at that point. If you can just get to like nine and three or even eight and four out of the non conference, um, it has a whole different feel. With with where this team can be, but when you start like Nebraska did at six and six, it it just killed them.
3: Yeah, and that's kind of the the idea behind what a big part of what went wrong this season is. You know, the schedule was so intense, um, and they didn't have the roster that they thought they would to be equipped for it, and uh, it took its toll as the year went on. I mean, guys were clearly fatigued. You know, especially over the final five games of the year. Um, You know, Ty Webster, I mean, undoubtedly regressed. Uh, And that's because he played the second most minutes of any player in the entire Big Ten conference. You know, Glenn Watson's confidence really suffered uh, because, uh, you know, he felt like he needed to get everybody else going when, in fact, he probably should have been focused on getting himself going. And, um, you know, injuries played a part. But uh, again, you know, that's that's fine, whatever. Uh, Next year, there are no more excuses. And I know a lot of people, like I said, were somewhat, uh, some people were pretty upset that Tim Miles was coming back for another year because they thought it was, you know... Uh, I
1: don't think there was a way you could win, though. I yeah, think, I mean, think
3: either way, you were going to get mixed reviews. Um, and that's why I say, and we talked about this earlier, you know, back when this discussion first started kind of heating up, was in, unless Nebraska had a, a clear uh, improvement um, w- with the new head coach, um, you're really rolling the dice of setting yourself back. Yeah, look at women's basketball.
1: Exactly. I mean, what they had to do. and, and, and they're, I mean, they were a perennial tournament team every year. And who knows when they're going to get back in the tournament now? And I'm not saying Nebraska's a tournament team, but I'm saying how, how much attrition, how much stuff are you going to go through? Is it worth kind of risking what you've built in that arena as well? Because people are still showing up. They still kind of have this Chicago Cubs mentality with Nebraska basketball, uh, where they really, you know, have this optimism that it's our game, it's our year, every single night.
3: Yeah, and it's it's just like the 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 hope that you know this was the safe move. You know, I mean, the the, the, the kind of the gold standard here uh, of what Nebraska could be is what Minnesota was this season. I mean, they're coming off a historically terrible season, um, won just two games in Big Ten play, eight overall. Um, they were wanting to run Richard Pitino out of town he comes back with a team that was young last year and played a lot of basketball Added some pieces, and all of a sudden, you know, they're the fourth seed in the Big Ten tournament, win twenty-some games. He's the Big Ten coach of the year. They have the defensive player of the year, a freshman, all Big Ten player, and it just seems like the greatest season of all time for them. So, I mean that, that I don't know if Nebraska can necessarily make that drastic of a jump, but I think it's within the realm of possibility that you know Nebraska can go from a Big Ten bottom feeder to competing not only, you know, for you know, maybe one of those top four spots in the Big Ten, uh, but you know, for sure, uh an NCAA, a return chip to the NCAA tournament to potentially winning a game
1: you're listening here to the Huskar line show Sean Callahan Robin washett as we wrap it up Robin um, attrition always a big part of college basketball. I don't expect you to have any names but do you expect at least one if not more guys to, to move on from this roster
3: i would say at least one and in fact um you know in his you know post game you know locker room press conference tim miles was asked directly about nick fuller uh, he's the guy that always gets brought up about um you know potential guys that could leave and there's reason for it i mean he's going to get his degree in may um you know he, he's a basically a fourth-year junior right now, Um, and so he'll have the option to go anywhere he wants uh, and play right away next season. Um, so it would be kind of a, I guess, an, an easy split uh, that would open up a scholarship. You gotta for have somewhere to go though too. Yeah, exactly. And he, he will. I mean, he's a he's an okay player. I mean, he can he can find a spot. Uh, but the fact that Nebraska is actively recruiting for 2017, even despite the fact that they currently have no available scholarships, kind of tells you everything you need to know about what they expect. And uh, right now, if there's only one spot, it will be to a guard. Um, all the offers and players that they've been looking at for 2017 late have been guards. And so obviously they're looking to find somebody to replace the one piece they're missing or losing in Ty Webster.
1: All right. Well, that wraps it up here on the basketball talk. Uh, there'll, there'll be plenty to discuss here um, in the coming weeks. And Robin Wachett will have complete coverage here on Husker Online. When we come back, we're going to bring in Matt Reynolds. We're going to take your questions here in the Husker Online mailbag. That's next Here You're listening to the Husker Online Show.
0: This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I'm still learning the game, and this just—it's not a setback. I just feel like I, I this is another position to learn. I mean,
2: I'm kind of doing the same type of thing, so um, it was—it was, it was real exciting when I first heard about it. I, I love playing in those. I played it in high school, and it's just a fun position to me because I like—I like
1: being in the trenches. It's kind of like a like a sick mentality. I love being engaged with the linemen, just being around big guys. So I like it. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, A. Klaus. We bring in Matt Reynolds and our Husker Online intern. And before that, that was Alex Davis and Khalil Davis, two of Nebraska's project, projected 11 starters right now at outside linebacker and nose tackle position. But a lot of fun in the mailbag this week. Um, a lot of it not made for family radio. Uh, but we still got a few questions out of the mailbag, Matt. What do you got this week?
0: Boy, we had a mess. It was definitely a hodgepodge of memes and weird It got spring, and it got spring break silly on there. Yeah, it did. Like spring breakers with Selena Gomez silly. <laughs> but, uh, starting it off with a football question, which was hard to find in this mailbag. Besides the new defensive scheme and QB play, what's the aspect about this team that you're most interested in learning about this spring?
1: Uh, God, Yeah, that, that that's a tough one, but I think... Can this offensive line take a step forward? Um, and for me, the other thing is is the defensive front seven. Do they have the bodies to run it? But I think for Nebraska to really take the next step forward as a program, their offensive line has to take a step forward. That, to me, has been uh, what's limited them. is not, not necessarily the starting five, but it's the lack of depth. When a guy gets hurt, they drop off. And, and they can't really go down that road again this year.
3: I'm going to just interested to see what plays out at running back. I think that's kind of one of the more overlooked storylines here, and obviously I think people just assume Devino Zigbo is going to be the guy, but uh, Trey Bryant played a lot of football as a true freshman last year, and I think that – um, you know he's got every opportunity to to surge in front and then be the day one starter depending on how he plays this off season. and obviously we don't know what Mikael Wilbon's role is going to be and with all the talk of incorporating more screen passes and you know using the running back more as a receiver could he have an increased role so uh, some definitely questions to answer uh, still remaining there at running back.
2: Yeah, and I'm kind of looking at the tight end position. You know, there, you lose three people um, there at tight end, and you really don't have any experience coming back there at that position. Tyler Hoppus is is a walk-on that has a little bit of experience, but, um, you know, can guys like uh, Matt Snyder and a, and a David Engelhop? You know, step up and and uh, really emerge for the quarterbacks because those are typically high percentage um, you know plays when you're when you're targeting your your tight end and and Mike Riley talked about needing to to be
0: completing passes at a high percentage. Well, Sean, you mentioned the offensive line and that's been a hot topic on the Scrolls this week. So with De- with Decker looking physically improved. Reardon and Farmer taking some snaps in some of the camp pictures. How do you see? How do you? How do the guys see center playing out in this spring and year?
1: Well, I think they're going to give Michael Decker every opportunity uh, early to see what he can do. Um, he ha- he had a setback last year. There's no question about it in my opinion. They they were down to water boys going in the offensive line, they, and he was healthy and available, and he was not playing. So uh, it was very telling that. He fell into bad favor for some reason last year. Now they're giving him an opportunity to see what he can do this spring, but John Raritan's going to be right there. Um, and Cole Conrad has even taken some snaps at the start, so he can play center as well. Um, to me, it's finding the best five, and, and whoever that is getting that best five on the field, uh, that's what Mike Cavanaugh is going to have to figure out.
3: Yeah, I'm going to go back to what Nate was saying earlier about uh, this spring is basically an opportunity for the veteran guys to put it on film. And if they don't perform well enough to win the job, there's no more excuses. The coaches can show them, this is what you're doing wrong. This is what the other guy is doing better. This is why we made the move. And so, I mean, this is what kind of spring uh, is all about to to basically, you know, kind of let, let guys figure it out on their own, you know, win or lose the battle uh, on their own. And, uh, you know, they have a chance to win it, uh, but if they don't perform well enough, uh, I think fall camp is going to be a different story.
2: I think John Raritan has the chance and probably will come out on top of this race, but I think Michael Decker... Keeps it pretty darn close, and maybe, maybe even extends it on into to fall camp. I was really impressed by the way he looked uh, the other day. At, at, yeah, he's obviously put in a ton of work in the off season. Um, so you know, we'll see what happens. But I, I think Raritan is
0: going to be right there, knocking on the door the whole way. You're listening
1: to the Husker Online Show. We're taking your questions with Matt Reynoldson here in the Husker Online Mailbag.
0: So Nick Gates has the left tackle spot pretty well locked down for the coming year. At least we assume. But right tackle is a little bit more of a question. Question with David Neville and Cole Conrad. Do you think it comes down to Neville and Conrad, or do we see Matt Farniak make a push there?
1: Well, those three are all there right now, and, and Farniak, um, I thought it was interesting that he is playing right, not left, um, because I think uh, Brandon Hymas is going to come in as a left right off the bat, along with Brock Bando, who's already playing left. So it does make sense because you've got two juniors and now Um, a true freshman there at left tackle and then a redshirt freshman in Farniak. So they're trying to build that competition up. I really have no idea what direction that's going to go because I think Neville has the most ability, uh, but is he tough enough? Can he be mean enough? Can he be that type of guy to thrive as a Big Ten right tackle?
3: That's going to be what this season is about, like I said earlier. I mean, David Neville has the opportunity to lock that job down. That's why he's the number one going into spring. But uh, I expect it would be a very quick hook, um, especially you know, after spring ball, if he doesn't perform at the level they
2: want. Yeah, I could see Neville winning that job, but it not taking a whole lot
0: uh, for him to lose that job once again. So with basketball switching gears a little bit, Robin, there was a lot of talk yesterday about some polarization about people that wanted Tim Miles to be fired, people that wanted Tim Miles to stay, but Tim Miles ultimately staying another
3: year. So, a question from the mailbag One year from today, is Tim Miles the head coach? Yes, I think so, because I believe that Nebraska will make a significant enough improvement to reach the uh, level of success needed uh, to maintain his job. And that Bar has basically been set not only uh, by the fans but by Tim Miles himself uh, as making the NCAA tournament. Um, You know, and I. there may be some wiggle room there. I mean, maybe if they're firmly on the bubble and you know, maybe the last four out, then you kind of give them some leeway. But uh, in my opinion, you have to get back to the NCAA tournament. That is the goal for this team year in, year out. And with as much pressure that's on this entire program going into next season, uh, if you don't meet that bar, then you know it, it, it takes care of itself. But I think they have enough talent to get there, and I think they will.
1: And think about this, guys. They beat the Big Ten champions, Purdue. They won at Maryland. They took Wisconsin down to the wire at the buzzer. But then they lost to Rutgers, and they've lost twice to Penn State. So it's such— Once. uh, Oh, just once. Yeah, they only lost once to Penn. And they lost to Rutgers. Sorry. But, um, yeah, it's just such a, a, a hard thing to figure out, losing by so many points, 36 at home to Michigan. That's what they have to eliminate. They have to get rid of that inconsistency that's plagued them
0: our last question in the mailbag because i had to shift I had to sift through a bunch of troll questions in there but there were a lot of Vladimir. Brec- yeah that's <laughs> latimer there's a lot of breakfast holidays this week and so our, a little breakfast question. We had a great breakfast in uh, Madison at the Bashett Street brunch. We Club. did.
1: Now you did it on Saturday. Not on we Saturday. On Sunday.
0: That. <laughs> on Sunday I did. But Matt was recovering still, recovering from.
1: You had a nice <laughs> dinner on Saturday.
0: Four thirty escapades. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, pancakes, waffles, or French toast? Simple question.
1: Ooh, uh, pancakes.
0: French toast. Pancakes. I don't Nobody. No love for waffles here. Nah.
1: I'll, I'll pivot this. Best breakfast in Lincoln. Restaurant
0: Mm. green gateau Uh, I would have to say one of the country clubs, probably. Oh, look,
3: somebody photoshop (laughs) a meme of that.
1: (laughs) Um, Wilderness Ridge has a good breakfast, but um, i'm partial
0: to Dino's actually. Dino's is for day to
1: day, just like I'm gonna go in and get out. High V, you can't beat high V. And surprisingly, Jimmy Egg is not a bad option for breakfast. But yeah, Gringotto to me is is the best normal people's options. Uh, I don't know about the Country Club options, but <laughs> Nate,
0: uh, Virginia's Cafe. Ooh, nice. You're Engine going. Engine House is also really good. I used to live by Engine House. That was it's a good one. place too. Yeah, so place. Uh, Taco Bell is pretty good too. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I get I get Taco Bell every morning after a, after we uh, after we finish this.
1: Subway actually is my favorite fast food breakfast.
0: Yeah. It's, uh, pretty, there's some pretty good fast food breakfasts. Don't knock it till you try it.
1: All right. Well, we come back, we're going to close the show with recruiting. Huskers had their junior day. We'll get Nate Klaus' thoughts on that. They made another offer in St. Louis. All that's next here as we close the show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show.
0: You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment
1: here of the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as we will talk some recruiting like we close out every show here on HOL, Nate. And uh, Nebraska held their very first junior day, and and we kind of hit on this already that uh, we knew that this was just going to be kind of um, a local in-state type deal. They didn't really have an early start as far as getting invites out, but still, you know, an opportunity for a number of in-state guys to come on campus. Uh, to maybe get some eyeballs laid on them and, and heights and weights, et cetera. What jumped out to you from what you've heard out of this opening junior day?
2: Well, all the feedback was absolutely positive and And uh, and I liked the fact that it wasn't a massive junior day where they had, you know, 100 kids on campus and everything. It ended up being about 20 kids, all in-state prospects, um, you know, probably about 15 or so kids out of the 2018 class and then probably your top five or six Uh, players out of that 2019 class and and for the most part, everyone that we, we were able to catch up with said that they got one-on-one attention with the coaching staff, and and that they liked obviously touring the facilities and and seeing you know seeing the de- different demonstrations from the strength conditioning staff and talking about the academics and whatnot. But everyone talked about practice and, and being able to to watch practice and then meet with the coaches afterwards. And uh, um, you know, I thought it was by and large a, a pretty positive deal. You know, you you you've got some kids who um you know i'm like a masry maypew who's already been offered and, and committed uh, you've got some other guys uh, like maybe a moses bryant who could be on the verge of an offer at some point in time throughout the process um you know getting attention and then you've got some some possible walk-on guys too who are who are able to to kind of get in front of the coaches and the coaches are able to see them up close and in person and like you like you mentioned, get measurements on these guys, and um, you know, and I like that 2019 group of kids that were that were in town. You know, the, the Xander Gray out of Omaha North, and the two kids from Burke, uh, Nick Heinrich and and uh, Chris Hickman. I mean. Those are uh, – and then Garrett Snodgrass out of out of York. I mean, those are a, a really, really nice-looking group of 2019 prospects that were able to to get on campus, some for the first time, and, and get in front of this coaching staff.
1: You're listening to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as we discuss recruiting storylines. And, and, Nate, naturally, I think things are still going to build up for that that spring game. They're going to have another junior day, April 8th. Um, but then obviously the red-white game on the 15th. Do you get the impression the April 8th Junior Day is going to be also kind of a lot of local guys, or what? what's your early read on that one?
2: Yeah, I kind of feel like Nebraska's approach right now is, is to keep these... Uh, somewhat manageable and and I think that first one was geared uh, more towards local kids it it was all local in-state prospects I think this next one on April 8th is going to be geared more towards um, you know kids in the region kind of the 500 mile radius type of type of kid Uh, or maybe kids who were you know have offers but can't make it to the spring game or who are you know on the fringe of getting an offer here pretty soon so uh, and then of course the spring game was is always kind of your your MVP, you know, your VIP event uh, for your top level targets, uh, na- national uh, from from coast to coast. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, the April eighth one, I, I bet you. Once again, it's probably gonna be in that twenty to twenty-five range and kids, you know, mostly in this in the Midwest area. Um, you know, before you see your 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 real big heavy hitters come out for the spring game.
1: You're listening to the Husker Online show, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus as we discuss recruiting storylines and every week we talk about Missouri and in St. Louis, Nebraska, Nate went into St. Louis made a defensive line offer what is that now as far as missouri offers total and tell us about the latest offer
2: well i think that puts nebraska up to eight offers total in the state of missouri um and uh, and ronnie perkins out of lutheran north is the the latest offer he's six 260 pound defensive end um you know class of 2018 prospect and this is a kid, though, that that has absolutely blown up over the last two months. I mean, he's he started off with, uh, I think, a Kansas and a Missouri and a, and a Iowa State offer, and has since added about twenty other offers, including LSU and Oklahoma and. Um, Ohio State's coming in and, and taking a heavy look at him. I know USC is coming in and taking a heavy look at him. So uh, Nebraska finally did pull the trigger there, and um, and you know there I think initially there was some question. Okay, would this kid be a defensive end in the in Nebraska's three four, or would he possibly be an outside linebacker? And uh, he's definitely a defensive end in Nebraska's three four, and um, and I think that it was it was better. You know, Nebraska probably should have offered a little earlier. Um, uh, yeah it's a little
1: surprising the, the time it took Nate yeah
2: and and I'm not sure what what the what the deal was, why Nebraska kind of drugged their feet on the offer, but uh, it was it was better that they did it you know now than. Then later, because um, he is taking visits, he, he just last weekend he went to Iowa and Iowa State. Uh, he's I've been able to talk with his coach, and his coach said that that um, he does like Nebraska, and he plans on getting to Nebraska at some point this spring. I don't know exactly when that will happen, but uh, I do think that he he will make it on campus. But uh, had Nebraska continued to kind of wait, they may have lost their opportunity. And and even though they did offer when they did, uh, you know they're still kind of behind the eight ball. You know, a team like LSU – uh, which typically does not recruit Missouri. They are after him very, very hard. Uh, and you can say the same about Oklahoma. Oklahoma is all over him. So um, there's there's certainly a lot of competition. Can they get here.
1: him here April 15th, though? That's the question.
2: Yeah, that's the big question. Um, and and kind of remains to be seen You know, if he comes up for the spring game or not. Uh, if he doesn't come up for the spring game, though, I don't, I don't think that's the end of the world. As long as he gets on campus and the coaching staff is able to kind of shower him with a a lot of attention one-on-one attention um, and, and maybe that might even be a little bit better I mean he, he's obviously he's friends with all these guys that have been coming up uh, to junior days at Nebraska in the past or, or spring games in the past he and Trey Bryan are very close he's, he's close with the Cameron Babs and the Trevor Trouts and all those guys who've been on campus before so um, you know I'm, I don't think it's it's absolutely necessary for him to see the spring game environment as much as it is to to have a lot of attention from the coaching staff and to create more of a relationship that's there because in that department Nebraska is kind of behind the eight ball compared to a lot of other schools
1: Nate I'm not running things but if i if I were one thing that I would do is with this coaches clinic coming up have some of these top St. Louis coaches as paid speakers at the clinic, which then you're allowed to pay for that coach's travel, their hotel. They get a speaker's fee, their meals paid for. And oh, by the way, your kid can come with you and check out Nebraska. I mean, does that make too much sense to you?
2: Well, and and that's something that we've kind of seen in the past. Um, You know, there's, there's been times where, um, you know, you, you either had coaches of, of kids that you're recruiting or coaches of kids that you just signed who come up and, and speak at your coaches clinic. Uh, you know, I remember, uh, I want to say the, the head coach at uh, Ranch, Rancho Margarita, you know, uh, the year that they signed Johnny Stanton, uh, I'm pretty sure he came up and, and coached or talked at the at – the, um, The coach's clinic that year and and there's been guys in the past i know avery anderson's coach uh spoke at the at the clinic who was the guy from alabama
1: that came up remember that guy that um he had a son that was coming to nebraska was
2: it was uh uh jayvon walton yeah Um, that all obviously that didn't work out that didn't that didn't really work out all that well um as, as he kind of, he didn't. He, he left Nebraska before he ever played it down. Um, they uh, gave
1: him the 8 a.m. Saturday morning talk when yep. half the coaches were still probably getting home from the bars.
2: <laughs> yeah. And, and Ed, Ed Orgeron spoke at that same clinic. I remember that. Uh but uh but yeah, this is this is a good clinic. Uh you got Ben Miles who or I'm sorry, Les Miles, the
1: Ben the, will probably be with him, yeah, I too.
2: Yeah, and I'm sure that Ben will probably be up here with him and um uh, but uh but yeah, if if I were if I were kinda running things I'd try to try to get a little Kansas City or St. Louis flavor by by getting um, uh, you know, one or two of those coaches up to to speak and and in return, hoping that they would bring, you know, a couple of their top guys. And by the way,
1: <laughs> if you want to bring yeah, your
2: guy. Yeah, yeah, and by the way, if you want to bring one of your top national prospects uh, up with you to, to spend the weekend at Nebraska, that we definitely would like to see that happen.
1: And briefly here, Nate, as we close this segment, uh, Nebraska will have a um, potential big visitor for the spring game, running back T.J. Pledger, uh, who named Nebraska in his top eight. Uh, could be coming up here in April.
2: Yeah, TJ Pledger, top 100 running back in the country, uh, who has transferred from Shamanad high school in, in West Hills, California is uh, that IMG Academy is uh, very good friends with bookie Radley Hiles and even Nebraska signee Tajon Lindsay just uh, this week had released his top eight and Nebraska is squarely in that top eight. And there's a good chance that, that he makes a trip to Nebraska for that spring game. I know we all know that bookie Radley Hiles is coming in uh, and then he's bringing a, a handful of other IMG Academy players with him to, for that spring game. So uh, Um, And and I think right now Oklahoma is probably the team to beat. But as soon as you get him on campus and get him surrounded by some of his friends – uh, including Bookie and and uh, Ty john Lindsey, maybe uh, Manuel Allen, who's a four-star wide receiver out of Corona Centennial High School out there in California. That's also going to be on campus. Um, you know, including some of the other IMG guys too. I mean, all of a sudden you get that group of guys together, and they're all talking about playing at the same place and doing something special at Nebraska. You never know what can
1: happen. Well, it should be fun to follow all of that. We'll have complete coverage. Also. Um, Practice observations from the Husker Online staff on Saturday as it will be another open practice. So make sure you are logged on in the afternoon when we have all of our coverage up, including uh, both Nate and I's observations from what we've seen here at practice. Well, thanks again here for joining us on another edition of the Husker Online Show.
0: Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.